You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Tuesday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel here with Joel Conan and Dennis Dick on today's show. Macro headlines are weighing on the market this morning between Brexit and this latest headline with China. Looks unlikely that we'll get a deal on Friday or a Brexit deal by the end of the month. So we'll talk about what those sentiments are doing for the market this morning. A couple of uh, individual movers as well. Amarella. Uh, got the beat on a on that China headline overnight. Domino's had earnings this morning, so we'll get through those. But we're going to talk about really how the macro picture is sort of uh, shaping the sentiment today. Our guest is Nick Shaheen, joins us every other Tuesday at 8:35. Joel, what's the word here overnight? Um, you don't considering you don't consider it obliterating the economy of Turkey. Um, macro oh, that, that's notable. That's notable. That's no big deal. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, S&P futures are trading down 18.5 handles. Had a nice rally going at last night, 29.50. We're not going to see that today, folks. On the downside, we took out Monday's low at 29.28. I will look at that as resistance. Pre-market low, 10 and a quarter. Uh, Looking for maybe 2,900 today if we take out that pre-market low. Crude inching towards $50, down 76 cents at 51.99. Gold doing what gold's supposed to do. Rally in times of turmoil, up five and a half dollars at fourteen oh nine ninety. Silver up six and a half cents at seventeen sixty and a half. Bitcoin, no one even talks about that anymore. Down fifty dollars at eighty two oh five. So triple D, I wasn't looking too much at the fifteen minute chart uh, today or this morning, but the news flow, how did it affect the market? Were you able to capitalize on it? Uh, Not really, because we didn't start selling off. We were actually up at 8 o'clock. So obviously, equities are closed between 8 p.m. and 4 a.m. I don't get up at 4 a.m. very often anymore because I got the kids. I still got the sore shoulder. So I'm just not getting up that time. Although I did look at where 
the SP futures were at some time in the middle of the night. They weren't down this much. So we sold off significantly after the Brexit news. So a lot of people are citing today's sell-off with the blacklisted uh, companies there that would come out. That news came out at 5.30 p.m. last night. SPs did not sell off on it because we trade up for two and a half hours after that. We were actually trading slightly in the green even for two and a half hours after that. So I will tell you from what I saw last night, the catalyst for today's sell-off is indeed Europe. And the European opening, I know they have their daylight savings and whatnot. I always thought it was like two or 3 a.m. our time, right? And uh, I think it's, yeah, I, and you know, I should know this, but I thought it was 2.30. Okay, well, if it's 2.30... And do they both open at the same time? Because London, obviously, is on different hours than Europe, too. There's an hour behind. So clarify that for us. Chat, what time does Europe open? It's between 2.30 and 4 o'clock. So I think it's 2.30 is what what I always thought was, like, when the market starts to move. Again, I'm not awake at 2.30 in the morning, so it's meaningless to me. I know when I wake up at 4 a.m. for the 4 a.m. open on the U.S. stocks that obviously the European markets are already open and impacting it. So 3 a.m. is what Top Buyer says. Yeah, Europe opens at 3 a.m. All of Europe? Yes. Because because London too? Because remember, London is one hour ahead. So, or one hour behind. Because they're only five hours behind us in Europe. It's 3 to 11.30 Eastern time. So in Israel, Top Buyer is saying 2.45. So we do have a couple different hours in there for different markets. So I just didn't know if London was 3 a.m. as well. So EU, top buyer saying 3 a.m. I thought London was earlier, but and, and London is not Europe. Aviator once said, well, they're trying to get out of the Brexit too. But what, <laughs> London doesn't That's count. part of the deal. L- London still, though, we're trying to find out what time London opens if it's 3 a.m. as well. So well, anyways, it, if you know, let us know. We know now that Europe opens at 3 a.m. I thought it was 2.30, but again, well, meaningless you, to me because I'm not awake at 2.30 or 3 o'clock. Well, if you're using that as a barometer... We were at 29.45 at 3 o'clock. So we were still substantially in the green and five points off the high of the day. Yeah, but what time did that Brexit news hit? That's what I'm using as the barometer. Okay, what time you got the Brexit news? I don't know what Isn't time. Isn't there constant Brexit news? I, I don't know. Pretty what much, but this was from. like, okay, we're, uh, this was significant. We don't, okay, so if it was at 5.30, we had sold off 14 handles at that point. There you go. Anyways, that's, I'm blaming it on Europe. Why I'm blaming it on Europe is because when I bring up every European stock here this morning, they are significantly in the red here. So uh, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that, hey, Europe got smacked last night pretty hard, and that probably means that we're going to get hit as well. So whatever time Europe started selling off is meaningless. That is your catalyst here for this morning. I am not blaming the blacklisted companies, although in Amba's case, which is AMBA, I will blame that because AMBA is getting whacked and it was getting whacked last night because one of their customers or something is getting blacklisted, one of their main customers? Yeah. Is correct? Yep, that's it. Uh, <laughs> I was searching for this headline. I saw Amberella starting to get smacked and I was like, did they give guidance? Because see it down $3 and I'm looking around and then I, and I see the headline about a customer. I was like, this customer must be very important. The U.S. is uh, blacklisting 28 28- uh, Chinese companies that are uh, related to AI and one of those companies is a major Umbrella customer uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce it but that's that's the story on Amba this morning. Alright so Amba is a victim of blacklisting here this morning and this stock is in the gap Joel this is not good news for Umbrella Longs because it had the nice earnings gap the gap and go after their earnings report ran from 55 to 65 
slowly been leaking, and now we look to fill that gap. We are filling two-thirds of it overnight here. To fill the gap, you got to come all the way down to 47, 46. So we still got a little ways, but we always say, well, stocks go through an area, they can, when they come back into that area, they can go there quickly. Price has memory. Price has no memory in this area because there's a gap. And uh, you're just hanging off the lows of the pre-market session, 50 even, right on the kissers, what the pre-market low, only hanging out at 50.33. So let's say, wait, hang out, be patient, wait for 47.46, or maybe go out there at 47.50, just so you make sure you get filled. If it goes down there, the longer it takes to go down there, then you might kind of little, you know, find a little bottom and kind of, you know, roll up and go higher. But that. 50, 47, 46 on a rally. Uh, really, someone is, since we made the low, believe it or not, 5165 is resistance in uh, Amberilla today. All right, we went through a couple stocks. You can't report earnings on a day that the S&Ps are down 17 points. God, I don't care what Domino's Pizza said. The pro stock was probably going to go down. It's really the only stock to report here today, the only material stock to report here today. And I looked at that and I was like, even before the report, I was like, it actually probably going to go down no matter what because they just don't like stocks today. But then you were saying that the numbers weren't good as well. Well, first of all, Helen of Troy takes great offense to that, Dennis. But... <laughs> What's the symbol on that one? Joel, here's a quiz for you. What's the symbol on Helen of Troy? Oh, it's something totally like not having to do with the name. I'm going to guess, no, and no. I don't know. But I, here, I, 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 I'm I, guessing, I, stop. I haven't looked. H-E-L-E. Wow, Dennis is so good. Oh, my God. Did he get that? <laughs> You're so good. You're fired. <laughs> okay. Uh, Domino's. No, you got to do the show tomorrow. Domino's is uh, reporting this morning, as Dennis said, it wasn't good. Missed on the EPS. Missed on the sales. Uh, EPS, $2.05 versus $2.07. Sales, $8.20 million versus $8.24 million. So right on both. Same store sales up 2.4% on a year-over-year -year basis. I don't believe that was good enough. So weak across the board this morning for Domino's. Is this story broken, Joel? I mean, we heard how much Domino's is a technology company and changing the world, and it had the most incredible run for six years. The stock was $30 back in 2012, and it ran to 300 So you're talking about a 10-bag. Stock went up tenfold in six years. Has now the, the, the fact that, you know, maybe price just got a little bit overdone, and we're coming back down to earth a little bit here because stocks just don't go up a thousand percent in six years. At least most of them don't. This was one of the best performers for those six years though. And now I look at the chart and I think, okay, now you're starting to look tired. You're looking like you're potentially starting to break trend here. Um, the 300 looks as toppy as tops can look because we tried multiple times to get up over that and we could not. And now we start to get down to the recent lows of the move. And the low of the move back at, in August of uh, just this recently was 220. We look like we're going to challenge that. So you know what? I would say, you know, the 220, let's see what happens there. But this is not one that I'm coming in and buying the dip here today just because, like I said, I think the easy money has been made in the technology company of Domino's Pizza, even though it's a pizza company. Uh, you know who's been bearish this one for a long time? Not Kramer. <laughs> no. That's why he calls it the technology company, which I kind of get a kick out of because it's, it's a pizza company. Technology company too? Oh, Domino's wants you to call it. That's what they want really? you to call it. Well, yeah. that's what Kramer calls it. He's like, that's he's trying to justify the 1,000% up move. It. A 
technology. He calls it that because that's what it's they want. It's a pizza company. You know what, though? They have good pizza. I've always said that. The best, I think, out of all the major chains, Domino's is one of the best pizzas. I order Domino's. I like Domino's. It's fair priced. It tastes good. But that doesn't help the stock here today. Free market low, 225.02. And there's a bunch of low. I'm not a bunch. Four or five lows of the move. So I think you got to target 220.90 really up to like 225. I mean, if I was short trying to bring in a position and we're kind of holding here again, you know, I'm going to re I'm going to, I'm going to short. I, I'm just going to jump in because majority of investors aren't short. Let's go look at the short interest here because you, you, you do like the, it's a trader yeah. in you, Joel, that likes to say, you know, that, you know, what are the shorts doing? But 97% of the people probably are long. So I like to look more at what the longs are doing here. So I'm just, you know, I'm playing a little devil's advocate here with you. I like Because here's the short interest on Domino's. And it's actually 10%. Yeah. So I, I've got 10%. No, that wasn't that. I've got 10%. So I, I don't know if that's That's not a lot. That's not a lot. It's fairly significant. I would have thought it was going to be three or four. So it is fairly significant. So I'm going to take it back and say, you can tell me what the shorts are doing. New rule. You can tell me what the shorts are doing when the short interest is 10%. Yeah, oh, I will check the short interest before. Yeah. I <laughs> what are the longs doing? Uh, so the what? shorts are going to bring her in at 220. What are the longs doing? Are they going to puke it out at 220? No, they're going to keep selling until it gets to 220. Then the shorts are going to start buying and it's going to move up from there. Sometimes this is the trade though. And this is a good point, you know, that you just said they're going to keep selling to 220. Sometimes the easier money is when a stock goes from 242 to 225 and you look at this huge level 220, you're like, it's probably going to challenge it. So maybe the play is like short 226 or 227 and just kiss. Then cover it at 221 and make six bucks. I, I'm, I'm not going to argue with you if you do that. I don't know how you control the risk or the potential of an earnings reversal, which we do see sometimes. But with the market trading down as much as it is, I don't think there's going to be an earnings reversal. So I think that's a good setup. I think, you know, if you're shorting at 227, I think you're going to get her at 221. So you're risking, you're going to risk, I don't know how you control the risk, which is why I don't do it myself, but just paper trading it. I think the thing is going to test at 221. Okay. I, I did mention the reverend's been short this one for a long time, but you know why I wouldn't short the stock? Why? What if they come out with a plant-based pizza? <laughs> That's called a veggie pizza. They already have that. That was out years nope. ago. Um, tomatoes you can well, get veggie pizzas joel get rid of the dough though dough is, <laughs> they, they, dough they, is not a dough is not a meat it's not a meat but no, it's but, bad for you but they do that a right? vegan can eat veg, uh, veggie pizza you, and, and you can do cauliflower crust cauliflower oh, oh horrible go. or oh, that's yeah, got to be really bad, bad tasting you like cauliflower i hate cauliflower i love i like it's okay but i i do get this cauliflower pizza at uh, johnny pomodoro's and it's horrible no yeah. cauliflower on pizza that just sounds awful Tomatoes, I can do a pass with. Mushrooms, green peppers are the bomb. But uh, no, no cauliflower on my pizza. No cauliflower crust, Spencer. No cauliflower anything if I don't have to. I'm not a fan of cauliflower. Kids, eat your cauliflower, but I'm not a fan. Next. Well, well, that's it for the earnings this morning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sort of covered that. All right, I want to talk about a trade I had yesterday for solar. Did I call this one? I not only called this one, I actually, pro well, I didn't profit from it, but I got out. I, and guess, I never get this very often. So I did not get out on the opening print. I actually got out above the opening print. I don't know how really, but it must have just ticked up there really quickly. I threw it out there. I had it in my head. I was like, okay, I want to get out in this in the 62 handle. I don't know why I threw 62.80. And well, you know why I did? Because I thought that 
pre if I go to the high of the day and I'm going back to September 27th, the high was 63.13. I was like, I think that's going to hold. So I threw my order out there at 62.80 and I actually got done. So I'm out of first solar, the long-term investment. So basically almost scratching it after being down significantly the day before, which is why um, I looked at it. I talked about it on the show and I was like, I stopped trading my long-term portfolio, but I said myself, I think I was early on this. I, I just had added it to the long-term portfolio about a month ago. So when you're losing that much money, it comes back that quickly. People will want to get their money back. They really want to get their money back. I was lucky I did, or I got close to it because I think I bought around 64, but fairly close considering I was down almost 10 points three days earlier. Anyways, they, they pulled the rug out from under this thing fast. That thing opened at 62 and a half. Did kiss me up to 62.88, so I just got done at 62.80. Wow. Within like an hour, that thing was red. With another hour, the thing was down two bucks. So they faded the hell out of that move yesterday. And I'll have to correct my article because I put that you got out at the opening print. But you I was very close to getting out at the opening print. I got out of better than the opening print. So you're trying to top me. The other day I bought – no, you'll never be able to top No, me. I know. You bought lower than the low I of the day. I bought seven handles lower than the low of the day. and then, but you What wasn't the low of the day on the micro? Yeah. What do they call the, the, the little, little one, the micro? The micro. Yeah, the micro. They got the, e -mini, they got the mini and the micro mini. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, good sale, came down hard, continued. Wow, Joel. Oh, wow. Let's see here. 54.77, if you're looking out for more downside here. In first solar, that was your low on Thursday. So all those solar stocks reversed their moves, really. So whatever this news was, Canadian Solar actually started catching a bit. It was down significantly in JKS. Then they started to all leak. So it wasn't good for TAN overall. Wasn't good for First Solar, especially. SunPower, similar chart, opened up, was trading higher, and they gave it all back and closed near the lows. This sets up very poorly. I am not buying any of these stocks here right now. The technicals look bad on both of these stocks, SunPower and First Solar, for the simple reason is that we saw how many sellers were people, or people willing to sell those stocks. Stocks closed near their lows. That candle is ugly. I think they retest the lows. Uh, so I do want to buy First Solar back eventually. I will not be buying it back, though. Yeah, I, don't know. I will wait a little bit before I buy this back. And man, the S&Ps are getting whacked right now. Yeah, what's going on? Well, well, I, 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 I have a question about that. So is this a solar-specific thing, the fact that solar has moved so much this year that, uh, that uh, they're fading? Uh, they're, they're just, they're just maybe. Sick. Maybe some profit-taking. Or, or, or is this just a fade-any-China headline thing? Because we also saw this in the S&Ps overnight right it's a good gordo question so where's gordo when we need I, I don't know how sector specific this is because we it seems like they're just fading any headline out of china good or bad doesn't matter what it is just fade it do the opposite because that's what's happening we need gordo get gordo on the show again to talk solar but my i point don't is, know the fundamentals of the industry is, i just talk in the technicals but my point is i don't think this is a solar headline this is this seems but solar's been kind of like the story's been over in that for like a really long time has it has it been over the the, yes. the tan ETF is like the best performing. Oh, really? well, look at tan. It is the, the best. I think long term solar is still going to be a good play, but the, okay. it looks broken right now. Tan has yeah, tan had an unbelievable year. I don't know what Joel's talking about. Eighteen dollars to thirty two. What what grade were you? Got to be one of the best ETFs of the year. In two thousand eight, what grade were you in? I was a senior in high school. Okay, it hit three seventeen. <laughs> well, first of all, yeah, you're talking going back when it just got silly. I mean, but you got to strike all that. It's, you know, we're trading it now. And I mean, it had a, had a pretty good year. First of all, it started the year 38 bucks, 39 bucks. So 
you know, oh. yeah, if you're looking at 317, it's probably never going back. There. I mean, not all of us are going back years. 10 years. Sorry. Okay. We know these bubbles, and obviously First Solar was a bubble too. When the bubbles burst, you know, we had a caller call in the Mad Money last night. I watched the Mad Money. I like Jim Cramer. And she called in and said, I bought Cisco back in the year 2000 at $57. Um, what should I do? I've been holding for 19 years trying to get my money back. What should I do? And it's at $47 here today. So we know when you're buying stocks in ridiculous bubbles, aka maybe Roku at 175, um, it may, these stocks may never come back to these prices or it might take 20 years for them to come back. In the case of Cisco, it never came back. Stock was $80 in the year 2000, it's 47. So if you held for 20 years, you're still down almost 50% of your money. That's why you don't pay PEs of 100 or 200 for stocks. Um, because when the growth starts to slow, you're, you're caught. It's like a hot potato. You can buy these stocks, but I don't put them in the long-term portfolio. Nothing goes in my long-term portfolio unless the valuation is reasonable. If you're putting long-term stocks that are trading with a P of 100 in your long-term portfolio and hoping to make money, I think it's a recipe to lose money. Maybe the odd one will make money, but most of them will eventually come in. So we don't know when they come in, but eventually when that growth starts to slow, they come in very, very quickly. Cisco was paid trading with a P of 85 back in the year 2000. And now trades with a PE of what? Ten. Grown the earnings like crazy in the last 20 years. Not, no, no fault of the company. Because the company's earnings are way more than they made in the year 2000. But the multiple came down. It Four came down to a reason because the growth slowed. Four so P the multiple now on Cisco 14. is 18. That's trailing, but okay. Trailing. So yeah, so 18. So you went from 85 to 18. That's why the price has never come back. So you got to watch when you're paying. And, you, and this is when you're talking to your long-term investors. You can trade anything. I buy stocks lots of times that have a P of 100. I don't worry about it. But they don't go in my long-term portfolio because I've been burned that way before. And I've learned that you need to buy stocks with reasonable valuations as an investor. As a swing trader, well, they're, they're great. Momo plays go. You can make a lot of money with them. You know, as a trader, they're great. You can make a lot of money with them, but don't get married to them. Don't say, I'm going to put this in my retirement account and look at it in 20 years and see where it is. Because when you're buying them, you might have a Cisco on your hands. The odd one, like Amazon, yep. will work itself out. So you will have some that will work out that the earnings will just grow so much and so rapidly that it will overcompensate for the high PE that you're playing. But when the growth starts to slow, that is when you've got to go if you are a Momo trader and you are, have these in your longer-term portfolio. You don't want growth slowing on stocks that have PEs of 100. Well, that, that woman could have sold her Cisco when, in June when it was at 58. I mean, she would have got her money back, yeah. No. So she should have did that, obviously. Hindsight Capital is 2020. I shouldn't have bought the stock for my long-term portfolio when it got whacked at 51 or before the earnings report because I thought it might be okay. So I'm actually down four bucks in it still and moving my long-term portfolio. But I didn't hold it for 19 years. So I have held stocks for 19 years. I held GE for like a decade and... I know I got a lot of dividends over the years, but I ended up selling that at a loss eventually because stock just can't figure it out. So, you know, I'm guilty of it too, holding on to the losers for too long as well. But for the most part, if you analyze my long-term portfolio, and I can show all the stocks in one day, you know, show you what I'm holding. It's usually stocks that have reasonable valuations. I'm not scared to buy stocks that have higher PEs as long as the growth is there to justify it. But, you know, I, I rarely will put a Roku in my long-term portfolio for the simple reason is that, I don't know if the, the path of profitability, it's a storied stock. And when the story breaks, it gets ugly. Beyond Meat will never, a stock like that would never go in my long-term portfolio for the simple reason that it doesn't even make any sense at all. So, and you know, here it sits and you know, they had the great news with the McDonald's. And by the way, I've been a long, long tangent here. By the way, I went to McDonald's yeah. two days ago with my kid, ordered a Beyond Meat burger and Windsor said, oh, we're not getting them. 
I was like, no, they're only going to London and Toronto. They're not going to come down to Windsor. I was like, really? South. You're not going to get them? We were going to do the road trip there. So the manager there told me that he didn't think that they were getting them. So I don't know. Western part of Southwest. We are, we, are, we are right in the heart of Southwestern Ontario. We are Southwestern Ontario. He told me, and I don't know if it's true or not, maybe the manager was mistaken, but he thought they were not, uh, he knew they were in London, but he says we have not seen them yet, and he didn't think they were getting them. All right, we'll have to make some calls to McDonald's. We need to find you know, out. You know what I think happened? I think the guy from Value World, Talk to the guy at McDonald's. And they banned me from McDonald's too? Yes. I'm getting banned from all these places. I don't even do anything wrong. Anyways, let's not go into a value world uh, argument here once again or, or conversation. Well, well speaking, speaking of value though and, and holding stocks for, for 20 years, might as well bring on Microsoft here. Uh, they're catching an, uh, a, an upgrade this morning from Jeffries. It's actually, yeah. uh, they're putting on the pair trade. So they're upgrading Microsoft to buy they're downgrading Oracle to hold this morning. And they're also, they're also downgrading Checkpoint. And they're also uh, downgrading yeah. so Carbonite. Yeah, so they're assuming there's they're assuming coverage on a lot of stocks uh, at buy. Splunk, yeah. Smartsheet, Salesforce, Dropbox, uh, Citrix. Citrix systems actually had underperformed. But the, the big dogs here are Oracle and Microsoft. And they're assuming coverage on like 10 other names. But Microsoft up, Oracle down. I've got Oracle still. I've sold some of my Oracle. Like I said, this has been one of my best stocks. I bought this during the financial crisis at nine bucks. Um, I still, I sold some a little while ago. So, I mean, I'm completely playing with the house's money at this point in time, but I still have a good chunk of Oracle in the long-term portfolio. I have no Microsoft. I wish I did. I've told my Microsoft story before where I bought it at $27 and sold at 35. It was just terrible. So I don't trade your long-term portfolio. In that case, it's now $137. If I'm good companies at reasonable prices, you hold on to them and you forget about them. Microsoft would have been a good hold. I mean, this is a stock that just does not go down. I mean, look at the weakness we've had in the market. You know, we've had weakness multiple times and Microsoft just holds up and holds up and holds up. I do eventually think the stock goes higher. So and it's not maybe not going to be today. And, you know, full disclosure, I do have a trading position on Microsoft. Um, but, you know, I'm just talking longer term with it. I'm not talking to trade. Um, I think longer term, Microsoft, this chart just shows me it does not want to go down. I've tried shorting it and it just seems like it just holds up. But... Um, also, you know, it's, it's a stock that's been in a range. Um, I, I do see some weakness in this chart here, okay? And this is what I'm seeing. You hit the – pull up a daily. You got the yeah, yeah, yeah. there, Spencer? Okay. You hit that all-time high, 142. Yeah. Right? All right. Then after that, someone no doubtedly what was working a piece at 140. You see all those highs at A lot of tops, yeah. Okay. Then, you know, it came down and they're like, man, I'm not going to be able to get out of 18 zillion shares at 140. <laughs> so they, they stepped down to 138. And now that's the level. Now there is a big step down. You're speculating because of all these highs that we're yep, seeing. Yep. And I'll tell you right now, we'll look at this chart. You look at the right side of the chart. If this thing doesn't get above 138 and we come down and test those lows at 133, then that seller is going to step down to 136. Well, the seller was there. Somebody was selling 138 last night too on this upgrade. And obviously the market was up at the time. Yep. So Microsoft is a bit of a victim of the market sell-off yep. here where it's barely trading up now. Um, there was a lot of sellers up at 138 last night as well. So you might, your, your thesis holds water here. So I'm not going to. I've never really have seen that. I mean, I've, you know. It's, it's been, been in such a range. I mean, really, 
it's still to be determined, right? I mean, you can look at all the highs, but you can look at all the lows and say, hey, there's been a lot of buyers in the 133 area. So I guess you go with the winner. Starts breaking down through 133, it's broken, and maybe you sell it short then. Starts breaking out over 142, 143, then it's all-time highs, and, you know, maybe you buy it. So it's kind of in the middle of nowhere for me here. So, again, I have it because it was upgraded last night. It's the only reason I've got it in my, in my trading portfolio right now. But that's I'll a short-term trade. As the monthly chart negative divergence with RSI. So, whatever, you know. I, I don't know what that means. So. <laughs> It's negative. If it says negative, it's negative. Wait, where'd you pull that from? Negative divergence with the RSI. Uh, out of the YouTube chat. Wait, I have none of that stuff. So again, oh, I teach. So, and obviously, you know, I've done a lot of lecturing on stock trading over my 20 years and, you know, some of it good, some of it bad. I talk a lot on the show. Uh, but when, you know, we used to talk, you know, uh, at, at schools and stuff, and we've done a quite a few universities, the University of Michigan, uh, Notre Dame with Robert Patelio. Um, if I'm talking technicals, I, treat, I teach technicals in five minutes. My entire technical analysis, if I wrote a book on technical analysis, it would be have three pages of it, probably maybe four. I know yours might have 10 pages, Joel, because we really keep it simple here, but it's support, resistance, and trends, and maybe the 50% re retracement on the FIPS. That's pretty much it. I use no moving averages. I don't use any oscillators. I don't use any of that stuff. If it works for you, by all means, continue to do it. But in my years of bright trading, I have seen a lot of technical traders come into bright trading and use all kinds of fancy indicators. And almost all of those traders are not there a year later, meaning they blew out their account. Those indicators are, it's tough. I mean, you think you have an edge that everybody else is, you know, using these oscillators and stuff. I mean, it, I, I don't think, I don't think there's an edge there. That's my opinion. And like I said, if it works for you, by all means, continue to do it but it's never worked for me. And if you are new to trading, I'm going to say, keep your technical analysis simple. Take out your Jeff Mackey, purple crayon. That's why I love Jeff Mackey. We've okay. given him shout outs before on the show. And I know, you know, sometimes people get to him because we talked about him. Remember we talked about him a year ago and then he gave us a prospect back on it. He did a purple crayon analysis for us. So Jeff Mackey, if you're listening, give us a purple crayon analysis on Microsoft. We love you, Jeff Mackey. You used to do that on CNBC, the purple crayon, and it works. Take, you, take a purple crayon and draw a line on the chart. When the line breaks, that's when you got to go. I, I would just say in, in defense of RSI, it is probably one of the simplest indicators to understand. Explain the RSI to me. It's a relative strength index. Right. Explain right. to me how you use it to make money. No, no, I'm just going to explain how. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just going to explain how it works. It goes okay, explain over, how it works. It goes over 70, it's overbought. It goes under 30, it's oversold. That's, it's, it's simple to understand. That, but that's, how, okay, so you can say Roku was overbought for how long? How long was Roku overbought on relative strength? Were you shorting it at 100? Because it went from 30 to 100. I bet you it was overbought at 100. Well, it went to 170. So if you were shorting on 100, you got absolutely destroyed if you were fading because it was overbought. That's the problem with relative strength is stocks stay overbought for a lot longer than you think they're going to. Stocks stay oversold for a lot longer than you think they're going to. That's why I don't use that indicator because I can't tell, I can tell you a stock is overbought or oversold by looking at the chart. I don't need a relative strength indicator to tell me that. I can look at the chart and say, hey, when Roku went from $30 to $100, dollars it's probably overbought. It kept yeah. going. Hey, for Roku, but what about for stocks that aren't up 500% in six months? Right? Sure. 
but, yeah, I mean, no, you can do it on any time scale. Right, I mean, you can look at Citigroup at the beginning of the year uh, or at the end of the year and say from 65 to, fi- to 55 is probably oversold. Lost 10 points in like a week. Well, lost another seven or eight points after that. So it is, you know, if you're just caught, you know, trying to pick the bottom because you know something's crossing over, or you're looking at a relative strength. I, it's a tough gig. It's a tough gig. I'd rather go support resistance and trends. Trend is your friend. Take your Jeff Mackey. We're giving you lots of you, know, you got to follow Jeff Mackey on Twitter. He does a purple crown analysis even on Twitter sometimes. Take that draw line. That's how you trade it. That's your, that's my technical analysis. We keep it simple, Joel. I know you do a little I, bit more complicated I, 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 stuff, but you're pretty close to the same thing. I taught you. You so, taught me, Claude. You taught me technicals. No, Jeff I, Mackey I, taught me the purple crayon, though. You just taught me a normal pen. Right. But I didn't know the crayon had to be purple. No. Um, we got I, somebody's got to tell Jeff Mackey. We gave him a lot of advertising here today. Well, tweet at him and he'll. Uh, no, I mean, I like to throw in daily pivots, which is basically an average of the previous day's rage. And I like to look at some weekly or monthly pivots and try not to, you know, like when it's below the daily, below the weekly, below the monthly. I mean, you know, it has, you know, I need a double bottom or I need a better formation. The other thing too, um, you know, you could talk about the double bottoms and triple bottoms and whatnot. And we like, we like that. I would add that in my book. Yeah. Yep, that yep. would be that support, though. That, under the support yep. page, the one page, I would talk about double and triple bottoms. Yep, yep. So that would be part of the support page. But, you know, the, the titles of the pages, so page one is support, page two is resistance, page three is trends, and page four has a little footnote there with the fibs. Ignore all the other ones and do the 50%. And That's how my technical analysis book would be written. Um, like I said, technical analysis is only one tool in my toolbox. I trade off information. I trade off news. I trade off your Benzinga Pro, a breaking headline. I trade off, you know, a lot of different things. I trade off order flow. Uh, but my technical analysis book would be four pages. You know what? Uh, one thing we talk about, um, Eddie, he used to, you know, talk about, you know, at the bottom of every sea, you know what, in the ship, you know what they have? They have a we chart. told the story, but yeah. Chart room. They have a chart room. And, they, and, the, and the ship knew where they were where they had been but they sure didn't know where they were going exactly Uh, eddie Eddie franco and obviously hold him again after the holidays and after the wedding i'm going to track the best traders at bright trading and i'm not saying bright trading is the best traders i'm saying the best ones that i've seen at bright trading and obviously you know i've been bright trading for 20 years we were in the trade office we saw traders come and go the best ones were using order flow i i really believe that they're looking at the books they're looking at, you know, where is the stock? You know, they, they might be using technicals, but right away when you see a double top, you're like, what's in the book? So there's usually a reason for the double top is maybe there's somebody sitting there. And back in the day, they all showed their hand, so it was easy. I mean, now they don't show their hand as much. But, I mean, that's the way this market has turned to is, you know, everybody's concealing their orders, so it's not as easy. But it does show up on the technicals sometimes. And like you were just pointing out when you were just doing the Microsoft, say, look at all these highs around 140. Telling you some institutional algorithm might just be a continuous seller up there and they're trying to sell a gazillion shares. So that technical analysis you used was actually an order flow to, to identify an order flow technique where, hey, there's a big seller in here that might keep coming in. That's and I know there's, there's, debate, there's debate about the 50% being part of the FIBs or not. It's part of, it's part of our retreat. It's part of our FIBs. Yeah, it's so, the only part of my FIBs. But what you like to do, and this is just going back to Dennis' simple technical analysis. Let's say you have an area of support. You break the area of support. You have a big breakdown. And then you rally up and the 50% is in the area of that former support. Here I am. I'm using my hands here. That that adds to you can it. Use your hands. It's a video. 
Yeah, we I like that. I don't really do that much, but um, use your hands more. We we aren't just radio anymore. We're video now. Video. Well, we were almost nothing this morning because when I came in, my computer we had a small electrical problem. We're running on Wi-Fi here. How is, are we still running on Wi-Fi? Good. Sounds good. good. Still running somehow. So, uh, <laughs> eight thirty-five. Let's bring on our guest today, Nick Shaheen. Oh, Nick's he, gonna have a mouthful. We're talking to him about these technical analysis because he's yeah. got some other tools, he's but I think Nick keeps it fairly simple too. Well, Where's Nick? Now. Nick is the author of Create Income with Option Spread. Joins us every other Tuesday. Nick, good morning. Good morning to you. I don't know if you're listening to our conversation. You might have a lot to bash about it. You might have a lot to agree about it. We were just saying uh, we've had a 10-minute conversation on technical analysis, and we're like, keep it simple. Don't mm-hmm. have a lot. Of, I'm, you're kind of simple with your technical analysis, too. You, you do some you know, a little bit more I'm, stuff than us, but you're not a real complicated technical analysis guy. Heck no. I, um, I rarely draw lines like I just did for you. Overnight, uh, we had a um, perfect head and shoulders uh, neckline that was lost, and it already filled the target of it. So from here, we're still setting higher lows. Um, and in this week, it's completely binary with regards to headlines. So um, I can't do anything about the headlines, but I can look at the charts and, and study the charts and decide whether there is an opportunity there or not. So uh, there's definite um, risk with uh, keep bouncing on necklines like we have been. Uh, so the lows of August are in play, maybe uh, May too, but it all depends on what happens uh, on every line on the charts. And if you tell me which one I would believe, uh, the headlines uh, reactions or the charts, I would say the charts, because a lot of the headlines are actually fake. Uh, we, we are in, in a mode where we, we get these headlines that sources close to the matter say, like I'd like to know who those sources are, especially in this day and age, because you can't have the same rules that applied when they, everything went out in print as now, because people can hide behind it. Like, well, I heard this was gonna happen and then who knows who's got what trading desk out there. Uh, so I can call myself a news agency and suddenly I throw out a headline out there. Sources told me this and that. And then meanwhile, I'm trading the, the options market. And it's like, it's a complete mess out there. So I ignore most of the headlines. Um, I look at the P&Ls. I look at the charts and try to avoid the headlines as much as I can. What are you looking at today? I mean, we see the S&P futures getting smacked around here. Is there any specific stock setups that you're looking, you're looking to buy, you're looking to sell? What's your setup, sir? I'm not shorting much. Uh, last time I, I came on board, I was short gold um, and, and, and as far uh, silver a little bit uh, from the sentiment perspective and bonds, and they all played out well. And I was debating whether I want to short gold again, but it's still uncertain. Um, I'm, I'm in between triggers, so I don't want to guess which way it's going to go. So I'm sitting on the sideline with that. I was happy about Facebook's uh, outcome around 180. I thought that would be a neckline that I would want to trade, but today it's teetering back and forth again around the neckline. But Facebook short term, um, the the next earnings report, I want to be long into the earnings report because I think people are pricing in more bad news than actually is it there, is in it. Um, the governments are after it all over the place. But none of that is going to affect the earnings income and, and the effect that it has on its customers. I just want to go back to one thing about the uh, technical analysis and Nick uh, shows his charts and stuff. And then when we talk about the S&Ps and I can't tell you like on how many occasions, you know, cause I do my daily numbers and stuff where we're looking at totally different things and we almost come up with like the exact same number. 
Very true. Looking at. And so, you know, and that, you know, it just adds confidence to the numbers that I come up with when Nick comes up with them. So uh, I really expect your technical analysis here. I guess since we have such a fundamental driven market here, Nick, I mean, it, we always talk about when you have such fundamental news, the technicals kind of take a back seat here. I mean, as it when, just, when have we had such fundamental news? Now I don't, yeah, I, I don't remember the last time uh, the elections. There's really maybe. no news. There's really no yeah. news. It's just a bunch of uh, chewing of the same headlines and regurgitation. Like when we had the spike on the news the other day, some that China is willing to, whatever it was, to, to get a smaller deal. And I'm thinking, you're selling that as good news? That's bad news. There's no way the U.S. is going to settle for a smaller deal. That's what they've been saying. So it's just bullcrap. Um, if I, I challenge you, turn off the news and see how much better trading you, you become. So I, I've been... Depends tracking. on the type of trader you're. Making. Right, right. Because no, I'm a news trader. I make a lot of money trading the news, but I'm a scalper yeah. and I'm short term. Yeah. But you're right. If you're just trading off news and you're trading well, it longer term. But but uh, you're trading the stock, the charts. Trading the headlines and in and out. Right, but the charts. You're you're a, so you you can't be trading just the headlines without trading knowing both. the chart you're trading. Yeah. So give me an example. What was your last trade? Um. Seven seconds ago. <laughs> no, I didn't make a lot of trades here. Today, so no, so. just give me one. So last night, um, well, last night I bought Microsoft because it was upgraded. I'm down okay. in that trade right now, but I hedged it with yeah. Q, so I'm actually up. So yeah. I trade market neutral. So what I do is on Microsoft got upgraded. I quick tried to get, you know, yeah. it's, it's like a race when it gets upgraded. To so you're to, you fast know, enough that faster. you can, you're fast enough that you can. You're fighting. I mean, I bought it last night. I wasn't the first guy. So I bought it last night, 137.67. You can say, well, that was dumb because it's down, so, but it's not because so I you, hedged it with Qs and the Qs were trading higher. So, so technically, I'm actually up 0.68% of that, or like I'm up 0.68%. He's up, he's up 0.68% he's up. losing today so, on so the last night, yesterday, I spent the afternoon tracking uh, the futures for a lot of the future traders in, in my chat room. And I said, okay, so let's play the futures. And I, I had a couple of buy, I had a buy and a sell on it. So I said, this is where I buy the futures based on this thesis. It was a specific thesis on a specific line on the chart, on the five minute chart. And I said, I would stop myself here. And it didn't come and it paid I don't know, 13 points. And then I said, this is where the sellers will come in. So I would book it and I would short if this happens. And then that happened and I would have sold the futures then. So even though I'm personally probably not trading as much as I should be the futures, there's always a chart to trade. And, and the technicals apply to any time frame. So if I'm scalping five minutes or five months, it, there's always a chart to trade. And the important thing is to set a thesis. Okay, I entered because of whatever, and this is where I would get out, and this is where I would stop myself out to book profits. So otherwise, you're just hoping for the best. That's my opinion. We've got right. a lot of stocks coming from the chat here yep. right now. Somebody wants Philip Morris, and this is a stock that has come. <laughs> this is a stock that's come back from the lows there. Obviously, now we're up here at seventy-seven dollars. Yeah. What are your thoughts for PM? So I would look at two lines. Uh, one, obviously, the highs from recently. Uh, if we're talking short term here, yeah, uh, right. So, talk both. Okay, we can talk so multiple time frames. Uh, and so I have a thirty-minute chart here, uh, and I'm going to try to quickly draw some levels. So there is a top on a thirty-minute chart, and a several several levels on just below. There's an ascending trend, and a couple levels below that, and an open gap. So short term, thirty-minute chart. These are the, whoops, it just logged me out. 
So let me log back in. So quickly, I'll just say, like, when I look at this, I see 85 down to 70. 50% retracement of that move is about 77 and a half, and we've topped up the last yeah. few days right in that area. It makes me concerned that this rally could not be real. 78, looks like you resist. <laughs> yeah, I, it looks like you're topping a little bit here. I, I wouldn't chase it just from the fact that they have so much. I don't know why they keep wanting to play with. I mean, find the business that people don't hate. The story is broken. What is the matter with this company? They love to be lawyers or what? I mean, just get a business that doesn't involve people's lungs or something. I'm, I, it's just insane to me. I mean, yeah, they're, they're, the regulators are continuously against them. It has a nice dividend of 6%, okay. but it's so, been broken a, for a while, the Fillmore story. On a daily basis, if I have a number that's important, is around 7630. Um, I think the buyers will stay in control if they can stay above that. Uh, there's no reason to expect that they're going to lose the lows that they just set. But if they do lose it, it's a neckline that would trigger much lower prices. Um, so you would short it if it took out that 7630? I would, I, would sh sh I would sell the pops. Sell the uh, pops. So, so then every pop will become an opportunity to short uh, or to get out or to fix trouble. Uh, so so uh, it, it will probably set lower highs after that. Uh, but it's, it, it will be teetering around it. They'll fight over it. That's my opinion. And if I, if I look left, I didn't look left before I said this, but if I look left, it's a point of uh, control, the 7670. You can see that the whole area is pivotal. So if you, if you look left to it, the bottom in June was thereabouts. The big candle before the, the two red big candles in um, late August are split around it. And also it looks like a neckline from, from February. So we picked right. It is a line that they're going to fight over. And since machines are doing a lot of the trading, they're going to repeat performance. You know, they call it AI. I challenge that statement. What do you say? Um, Rob not, not intelligent? Well, it's not intelligent. Uh, it's not artificial intelligence. Here's what I, what I mean. I'm an engineer. So when somebody tells me there's artificial <laughs> intelligence, I expect the machine. So if you tell it, go trade Philip Morris stock as best as you can and learn, it learns the ranges, it learns the patterns, it learns how the stock is trading. To me, artificial, artificial intelligence, when the machine decides that it, it needs to go and learn a new skill in order to come back and do this better. So I'm just going to use something ridiculous. It's going to go, you know what? I need to learn French in order to read French headlines better. So let me go learn from French and come back and so I can do this better. That's artificial intelligence. But where you tell it, you give it a set of code to trade one set of variables uh, or you know, 10 sets of variables that you tell it, it's just repeating the code with expanding ranges or volumes or whatever. So that, that's my opinion. So they're going to repeat the same things until they stop. All right, uh, Nick, another one from the chat here uh, from, uh, I just had it on my screen. Oh, KEM from Rob Hood. Hey, Rob. Oh, KEM. 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 Yep. Rob, this is not one of your better looking Rob Hood charts. That's all I have to say. Go ahead, Nick. Yeah, well, on a daily, I don't know what they do. On a daily, there is a, you know, obviously 20 is a, cup and handle-ish headline, I mean, uh, neckline, but it does have pokes above it. But in thesis, in theory, if they can go above 20, they can probably re-challenge the 21. Uh, you know, those, those are clear circles I can draw, but the candles are so big around it, I really don't know what's going on there. You're probably going to have to slice it um, on a, a smaller time frame. 
more importantly to see if you can stop yourself out obviously below the lows recently 1780 if you want to be specific about it 1772 um, and also the neckline around 1650 i don't know what's going on around there head and shoulder-ish um, so if that neckline is lost i don't know what's going on below it on a smaller time frame there's a gap down to 19-ish and this is where as long as they stay above 19, it's a moving target. To me, it's in the hands of the buyers. So dips towards 19, I would buy them until they fail below 19. I start saying, okay, maybe the sellers are trying to sink their teeth into it. What about the favorite stock, I think, of the YouTube chat and the pre-market prep chat and of Dennis and also Jeremy Newsom, Square. Square. I was going to say Roku. It used to be my favorite stock, one of my favorites, and I hate it. So I sold puts into it yesterday, not yesterday, last week, put spreads, and they gave me a little trouble, but they was worked Roku out. Roku or Square? Square. Okay, because you talked Roku. You no, I mentioned I was going to guess Roku, but he said oh. it's, it's your favorite. Yeah. But So uh, Square used to be my favorite. It's given me a lot of false tells. Uh, but I'm still hopeful for it. And guess what? It's fighting on the daily between who's in control, buyers or sellers. Yeah. Uh, so it will be market dependent. Um, you know, this morning we had weak PMIs, uh, not PMIs. Yeah, purchase, purchasing pricing, producer purchasing. So inflation prices were lower than expected. So yields should fall. So banks should fall. I don't know how Square is going to act, but I do have, you can see my orange line <laughs> again, trying to catch a swing higher. Uh, on square. So I think it should fill the gap above to 78 when I can't tell you that. So I sold put spreads into it. So I have some money in my pocket for it. Um, I'm going to buy calls and chase it when this happens. I may be too late for it. I have chased it before and lost. So tight stops. Right now it's neutral to me. It's got the potential, like the story has been broken here for a while or at least cooled off, but it's got the potential for that story to get hot again there too. So I'm so, glad you uh, said cooled off. Yeah. Uh, not, I don't, not I don't think off. it's broken. I don't um, think so either. I, and that's why I'm long it. So full yes. disclosure, I obviously don't think it's broken. So here's, here, here's the, the line that looks tighter and cleaner on, on Square. This is a lower time frame. It's an hour chart. And you can see my orange line. I gave it a little more room. I should have it tighter, but yeah. I've been faked out before. And really, if I want to be really safe, I should go to 73, 76, because that would clear the last few candles from before. So it has potential, but if the whole market is falling, this one is not going anywhere. But look at it, it's coming into a pinpoint on an hour chart. So it's either going to fall towards 61 yeah. or, or 60, go up to 64 and try to run. This is a good battle here. I mean, the one thing, you know, argument going for it is it really didn't sell off hard in the last week's sell-off, but the one argument going against it really didn't rally in the last week's rally either. It's kind of just been, you know, so, real battleground. You guys talked about uh, FIB and 50%. Sure. So it, it had a little tizzy off of October 1st from uh, 63 almost down to 59. Yeah. And, and then it stalled at its 50 around 61. And then boom, took it out completely, came back to the scene of the crime and it's stuck there. So um, we shall see. It's a neckline and the bulls, onus is on the bulls is to take it out. And if they do, it's kind of an ABC move from 59. And if that's correct, then 65 should be next. Two quick ones for you, Nick. Then we're going to let you go. AMD. I'm long uh, via sold puts. So, and I have scalped out of it a little bit. 
Um, don't know if I want to stay long through the earnings, but uh, this is the chip champ, I think, say that fast. Uh, so uh, a neckline right below. So be careful if you're long. So here we go. AMD, this is a daily chart. Um, and I have stopped chasing NVIDIA and all the other ones. I think AMD, if I want to chase a chip stock, this would be the one. So neckline clear set uh, below the low this week. And it's kind of a zone because it has a nice consolidation period into May. So I'm confident in selling puts below 26 if I want to own the shares there. However, the point of control is way below that. So if the you know what hits the fan, this yeah. one will lose uh, altitude quickly. All right, and for Michelle K, uh, Tesla, which is absolutely oh. in the middle of nowhere. So I'll Forever. Forever. Hey, Forever. Hey, hey, Michelle. Okay, so Tesla is stuck between uh, two zones that for some reason I have highlighted. So I'm going to post the daily chart first. I'm out of Tesla. I got tired of um, just watching the headlines. Me too. <laughs> so it, I'm going to say some things that are probably going to piss off some people. So th there are two red boxes that extend on the left side in my chart. And I'm gonna, I can't remember why I did them. So I'm going to do it right now and expand to a, a, a weekly, maybe a monthly even. So we're going long-term here, folks. All right. So it's starting to look ominous. And this is a monthly chart, keep in mind. So very slow moving. Every candle is one month. Tesla monthly, boom. All right, so a lot of lines on there because we've had a lot of, so those two red boxes are right there and it's stuck in between, it's stuck in between them. But if you look, there's a, the lowest biggest bar, red bar I have is a neckline and it's around 180. God help that stock if it loses that neckline because it's gonna give it all back and it will be a two digit stock. So that's the important level there. Yeah. I, I had puts, puts written on this. I booked the profits. I've, I hung out with them for three and a half months and I booked the profits and I've moved on because I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm torn on the story too. It's a stock that I, I love to own when I don't own it. And it's a stock that I don't want to own when I do own it. So, I mean, it's just one of these stocks that seems to go nowhere. And really when you put it in perspective, I mean, option rating on this has been very profitable because if you look at the last five years, Tesla's gone nowhere. I mean, six years, 2013, we were $237 at one point. We're $237 in 2019. So the bull bear debate is still fully on. Love the cars. Obviously, Musk has a few issues, but you know the company has a few issues as well. One major issue being debt. But I mean, I think the story is still, I don't know which play plays out. So here. yesterday, there was some good chatter about it, uh, saying uh, the truck this and the truck that. Well, that was a hundred thousand dollar order or well, for here's, cars or something. Here, but I just posted my dollar order. I just posted my hand drawing on Tesla to explain my statement over that red thing. So since when are order taking a problem for Tesla? Didn't they sell 400,000 in like three hours or three days or whatever on the Model 3s? It's, first of all, uh, it's the actual delivery that counts with him. And second of all, is, I haven't heard the argument for Tesla having a non-car future anymore. It used to be the thesis, the most exciting thing about Tesla is that it wasn't a car company. And now every chatter about it, even from the company itself, is how many they're going to deliver. So they coined themselves as a car company. 
there's no talk of their battery uh, supremacy uh, production. There's no talk about solar panels or uh, them being an energy company. Uh, it's a cool car. That's it. That's the only talk. It's cool. It's selling great. And we're delivering a lot of them. That's the only thing that comes out of the company. And he keeps, he keeps, he keeps promoting that. He keeps coming out and saying, we're going to do so many cars. Well, how about we're going to do this new thing going in the energy company or I have a roof, roof tiles, nothing. So I, I'm, still, I'm still waiting for the car with the flamethrower on top. But uh, <laughs> so hey, the flying look, car, yeah, wait, Nick, the wait, flying wait, car, the flying car is coming. So he, here's here's a funny video I saw on YouTube. I don't know what it's called. It's somebody that compared the flamethrowers. It, it used it and some other flamethrower and a flamethrower, flame like the style they use in Vietnam. So if you want to laugh a little bit, go find it on YouTube. It's pretty funny. All right. Nick Shaheen, uh, author of Creating Come with Option Spread, joins us every other week. Nick, thanks for the charts. Have a good one. Looking forward to it next time. All right. All right 8.55 here, guys. Uh, anything happening out there? Quiet. Uh, we're just kind of hanging out here, hanging uh, out. down 18 and a quarter. I will say I do, I don't, I don't want to sell the open here, but if we got a pop up to uh, 2928, that was yet, that was my plan to short if uh, during the day session here, if I would have been sleeping last night. Uh, so, but the way this move around eight, 10, 12 points, you know, we could go back up to 2928 easily. Um, also, that's mid-range on the session at 29.30. Uh, that's my sell point. And for right now, we're nine bucks off the low. Uh, so I'll use that pre-market low um, as, a, as a target. Well, I can't say the cover is short because people don't go short. Uh, huh. I would, if I was going to try along, it would be 10 and a quarter. But I think you have to give yourself down to Friday's low at 28.96.75 if you're trying along there. I'd say SPY, 290 if I'm looking at the SPY. I don't pay for any mini quotes because they want to charge me 700 bucks of the pro. 290.82. Um, that was the low from two days ago. We're 50 cents or 60 cents above that right now, which probably is coinciding a, you know, a little bit off the overnight low, but it's not too far off there. So let's see what it does there. That's where we maybe test. Can we bounce there? That holds. Uh, maybe we can you know get another bounce here again. But we are in the middle of nowhere, really, on the SPY wow. chart, in my opinion. Matt, balances Matt, ge Matt. forever and ever 160,000 to sell it's every morning nike that's his trend we had a sell and bounce yesterday i believe i believe we had a sell and bounce yesterday if i'm remembering correctly we had another sell and bounce Eighty-five thousand shares to sell nike here this morning that stock is trading down significantly not sure if there's a headline but it's down one and a half percent now which is significant we do have the tlt trading higher which is going to be bad for the banks on a relative strength basis obviously the overall market's bad for the banks as well but if you're looking back, America is definitely down more than the market, 1.1%. Goldman down 1%. Citigroup down 1.1%. Amazing how these things just all hold together. Uh, Wells Fargo also traded down 1% here this morning. JP Morgan traded down almost 1%. They're all moving together. The Paris traders are happy with that. Oil is getting whacked here. Once again, oil is just an awful story. Every rally gets sold on a continuous basis. I don't see why that changes any time soon. All right, real quick, match. Uh, got to pop off that bad news low a few times, but I'm just looking like this $80 area. I know, Dennis, you talked Huge. about short at the 78 and a half to 79, but I was 80. I was saying 80. Yeah, uh, 80, man. That's it's got to get through there to get back half of that move and shop. Uh, these stocks got hit. They've tried to recover, but once again, folks, it's just not the same kind of rally as it was before because. You have people stuck from this move from yeah 
420 to 290. I mean, and the Roku's not getting off the mat either. I know. I mean, it's holding up okay as long as it's above 100, you know, but they start to get concerned that you hang out here long enough, we're going back down to test those lows. I would follow if I'm trading Shopify, I'm looking at Roku. I know they're nothing to do with each other, but they've been trailing, they've been uh, following each other for a while here. And I've made some money trading those two stocks off of each other for a while. They're both high storied stocks and Momo plays that are now broken, or at least, you know, the story is uh, not necessarily Uh, broken, but cooled off. Starbucks. How about Starbucks? I haven't looked at it for a while. Oh, that cooled off too. Down 85. It always seems like there's Starbucks buyers somewhere, though. Like, it's a stock that just people eventually come back into. So, you know, I, I can't argue with you. You're buying at $85. I think you probably make money long term. It just keeps coming back, even though I never got the $5 coffee thing. 86 is big. You had a high at 85.97, then 86.01. Yesterday's high, 86.16. So you got a seller there lurking at 86. After that, things really open up on the downside, but needs to clear. 86. All right. That will be it for today's show. I want to thank our guest, Nick Shaheen. Thanks to all of you in our chat rooms, both on YouTube and premarket.benzinga.com. I want to remind you folks about the Weeble Weed Trader competition. Join me and some other Benzinga employees. We are in the competition. It started yesterday. There's four weekly sprint starts every monday through november 9th essentially weekly prizes of eleven thousand dollars worth of amazon gift cards grand prizes of a tesla model 3 or 40 grand towards your student loan payment download the weeble app to learn more uh please remember all the information from our show meant to be used as informational purposes only not for investing advice and any questions comments concerns email us premarket at benzinga.com and catch our podcast wherever podcasts are available Everyone have a great rest of your day. Dennis and I will be back with you on Wednesday. Hopefully this is the last time you'll hear this ad. Because with Chime checking account features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and getting paid up to two days early with direct deposit, you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade to spend more time listening to your favorite podcasts or at least grab yourself an extra morning latte this month. Join millions of Chime members who work on their financial progress with fee-free overdraft and no monthly fees. When you find new ways to save, you can reach your financial goals easier and still have the occasional treat. Take more control of your finances and say goodbye to monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at Chime.com goals 24. That's Chime.com goals 24. Chime. Feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com disclosures for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.